Welcome to Sleep Limia Podcast with guest Rick Carson, author of Taming Your Gremlin. Hi, everyone. I am Laurieann. I am the host of Bleep Bulimia, and I am also with... I am Roy Miller. I'm the co-host of Lift Your Story podcast with Laurieann. And today we are so pleased. I've been waiting so long to have this guest on my podcast, Rick Carson. He really helped me through a period. My bulimia was the post-bulimia, but it was really amazing with his wonderful books, which we're going to talk about today. And thanks again so much, Rick, for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to being with you. And I appreciate the invitation, for sure. Thank you. So Rick wrote uh, a couple of books um, that I have. And the one that really changed my world was Taming Your Gremlin. And I do want to talk to that. And of course, we're also going to talk to a masterclass in Gremlin Taming. And uh, so I'm curious. My first question is, what brought you to writing Taming Your Gremlin? Well, uh, well, I'll tell you what, several things. <laughs> I was actually uh, the clinical director of a program in Chicago, working with poly drug abusers and runaways and their families. And um, to make a, a long story really short, it was a 24-hour program. One of my staff didn't show up. We were available to, if a kid got busted or somebody ended up in the ER because of a drug overdose, and then we went there. And uh, the whole process took place. But anyway, one of my staff people didn't show up uh, because they were ill. And I had to drive about an hour in the snow in a beat up Volkswagen to get to the old house we worked out of. And I was just, pissed off <laughs> you know I was just disgruntled and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking well there are circumstances I could blame but the reality is I'm sitting here feeling bad this is between me and me somehow so I started doing some work with myself uh, and I thought what is that thing you know what in the hell is I, I, I'm perfectly healthy everything anyway so I put that thing across from me and I just envisioned it and it turned out to be, it looked to me like a gremlin. And I don't know that I'd ever thought about gremlins. I mean, the only thing I knew about gremlins was there, there was a car called a gremlin. Uh, and all of a sudden it became quite clear to me that every bit of misery I had ever experienced, even though it may have started with an external event, was really perpetuated by something going on within me. And it allowed me, that particular event allowed me to get a sliver of light between who I really was on the inside and all that stuff. It was just clear as a bell to me. And uh, anyway, it, it affected every bit of work I did from that point forward with people. So that was in 1970, probably 1973. Okay. Long time ago. I didn't write the book until 84. It was published in 84 initially uh, by Harper and Rowe. Now they're Harper Collins, you know, but um, in any event, when I started writing it, I was going to write it as sort of a metaphysical book. And then I was, you know, an Eastern philosophy book. And I was going to write it as a, oh, uh, like say a textbook for therapists. And when I started writing, that gremlin thing just kept coming up. 
So I thought, hell, I'm going to make it accessible to everybody and just stick with that. And the writing started coming really easy. And so I wrote it, sent it to one publisher and they bought it. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> It was a, a great, great tale. Yeah. I mean, a, a, just a wonderful gift in my life, you know. I mean, I'd never written anything, and I was 40. You know? so wow. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's never been out of print. It's in upteen, umpteen languages now. It's never been blockbuster, but it just keeps selling. <laughs> so, so the publisher's real pleased, and so am I. No kidding. And what I love about it, too, is, um, I mean, the people who are listening to the podcast won't see it, but even like the cover is amazing. What I love about it is inside of it, mine's all written in and scribbled, but it's Good. got the graphics. So oh, how yeah. did you come up with that part of it? Well, I interviewed several artists and I found a guy who's, who's illustrated all of my books. There's actually been four books and his name is Noble. Rogers, and he's he's retired now, but he was retired uh, when I did my second book too. But he illustrated it. He got it. He he understood. I didn't want the gremlin to be something cute, but I didn't want it to be so repugnant that people wouldn't pick up the book. Uh, and he really embraced the method. The gremlin timing method is very specific, uh, and it's not easy. It it. It's simple, but it takes practice. And as you know, um, but in any event, he did the illustrations and I'm so grateful for Noble. I mean, he really, really got it, you know, so. And I do appreciate too, I just want to say as well that, uh, you know, some people don't like to write in books, but this one, I really enjoyed writing it and, and highlighting uh, yeah. that you have exercises in it. That's right. amazing. So. Yeah, good. No, and I'm glad I just write all over it. Yeah. And I you sketched know. my gremlin and it was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. It's well, tell changed me about over that. the years though. Like I still have a little bit of a gremlin, but it's not the same one anymore, which is interesting. Well, you know, your gremlin is your gremlin by virtue of its intention. It's not going to go scurrying away forever. But you can get so good at simply noticing. I know you know about that from reading the book. Simply noticing your gremlin on the spot, mm -hmm. you can tame it really rapidly. And so it becomes inconsequential. It becomes like, a, well, you're not as old as I am. But you know, what it occurs to me is it's kind of like a, seven, uh, a 45 record playing on 78. It's, it's, uh, it's chatter in the background. It's just nothing. Once, but you got to practice with this. We can, we can go into the details of the methods, some of them. I want people to leave here with very practical tools they can put to use immediately, uh, Laurieann. So. Absolutely. Can you expand on the gremlin taping method? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't talk in sound bites, so it's going to take a little while because there's a lot to the method. But it basically begins with a process called simply noticing. Uh, you know, when I, when I wrote it, the whole Buddhist movement was not big in the West. So the term mindfulness didn't exist here. It wasn't, I mean, I'm sure it existed, but it, you know, now it's commonplace. But I had to come up with a term to describe what I had been using. And so to me, I thought, well, it's really just noticing. 
It's not just noticing what goes on around you or within you. That's fairly easy. But it's also beginning to notice what is going on in your own head, your concepts, uh, you know, your beliefs, basically, about yourself and about how the world works, really noticing them. Because all those beliefs, regardless of how noble they are, doesn't mean they're wrong, but they're just opinions. That's all they are is opinions. And when you begin to see those opinions for what they are, at that moment, you're in touch with the observer within, the natural you, the one that learned to walk and talk and really, really guide your process here on earth. So the process begins, Roy, with simply noticing. Okay. There are other keys because let me just cover this part. Once, once you simply notice how you're getting in your own way, mm-hmm. it's going to be one of several different poisons. You're either going to be scaring the hell out of yourself, which is the basis of worry, and or you're going to be miring yourself in regret to the point of feeling guilty. These are all different poisons. And they, when you really get good at this, you start noticing they're all, they all feel different in your body. So there's fear. There's guilt. There's beating the hell out of yourself. Really. Just beating yourself up. There's, I'm all, I'm not, I like anger. I think it does a lot of things for people if it's handled appropriately. But clinging to a resentment, trapping yourself in a concept. When you get good at this, you start to notice those things. That creates that sliver of light I was talking about. And it kicks into play what I call the Zen theory of change, which is I free myself from all this stuff, not by trying to free myself from it. It won't work. It's never worked for anybody, not permanently. I free myself by simply noticing how I am imprisoning myself. And this is the key. This is the key in the very moment in which I'm imprisoning myself. It's the difference between awareness and insight. You really start to notice, oh, like I did that night, you know, in 72 or 73. It's like, I'm doing this. At this moment, I'm jabbing my own thumb in my own eye. So the next part of the process, Roy, and this is not the, there's several strategies, but is to then accentuate jabbing that thumb. Jab it harder. If you're scaring yourself, create a big horror movie. Make it catastrophic and accentuate that. And at the same time, accentuate what it feels like in your body. Do it. So you really have that feel of what you're doing to yourself. At that point, there's a natural correction starts to occur in the same way that you learned to walk. Well, and talk too. You didn't know anything about kinesiology, physiology, physics. You just noticed if you lean too far to the left, you bumped your head. So you straightened up. No, it's uh, so simply noticing, playing with options, including the one I just mentioned to you, and then being in process, Roy. It's, it's really three big steps. Simply noticing, playing with options. But for those of you, if you might listening, that's a therapist or coach, don't rush to that part. Just simply notice, accentuate what's there physically and mentally. And the third step, 
is to be in process. And what that means is simply notice and play with options over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> knowing that you're not going to free yourself and you're gremlin forever. It's a breath to best thing. But you can get so good at it, it's just a, it's a, it's a piece of cake. So, so the more, basically, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And you Thank recognize you. quicker. Thank you for that, Roy. I mean, really, that's the part that I wish I had emphasized more. I mean, I do it with, you know, when I'm working with people directly in groups or privately, you know. But is yeah, it's all about practice. It's practice. And you, then you get, you're going to get good at whatever you practice. You get good at making yourself miserable. You're going to get better and better and better at it. You know? So that's a great question, Roy. I appreciate that very much. It's uh, wow. a lot of people miss that part. <laughs> you know, well, they because perfect to me. You can read all the books available in the world. There are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But just if, if, if you pick up Taming Your Gremlin, for God's sake, just stick with it and practice it. The masterclass was going to be titled The Last Self-Help Book You'll Ever Need, but somebody already had that title. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, and tell us about that one. I want to know more. You were saying that that's one that's going to help uh, with people who are helping other people, so counselors. Yeah. Well, it's it's for everybody, but it's called a master class in gremlin timing. Uh, and it's got a lot of very practical examples for therapists and coaches or for anybody just about how to use the method. But the whole last half of it is about creating rewarding relationships, not just with people, with everything, <laughs> with projects, with uh, with everything. Uh, and I just, I really am proud of it. I'm very, very proud of that, that book, proud of Taming Your Gremlin too, and the others, but, uh, I really like that, you know? So you were talking about, uh, Laurieann, you were talking about how, you, you know, you've written all in your book. A lot of people will read a masterclass with Taming Your Gremlin right there because I, I refer to certain pages and they go back and forth. So both of them get really scribbled in. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. So that's what I'm going through now is the masterclass in gremlin taming. Um, and funny fact is, is I'm halfway through. So I'm going to look forward to the, the second half. <laughs> and I do oh, keep good. them together all the time. I really do. They're always there. They're actually well, on my coffee table permanently. Great. Yeah. It makes, imagine what that's like for me to hear that. I love it, you know. It's uh, it's just it's really thrilling. It's really thrilling. Uh, so I do have I, I I know that I, I'm so grateful for you being on here. We were talking about uh, with me uh, reading your book was post, but what you're talking about right now for those who struggle with bulimia, I would say a lot of them uh, would really be able to resonate with what you've been saying. Um, the guilt the you know and okay. i think that what happened to me i was believing for 30 years is that i wasn't aware i didn't notice i didn't see the gremlin i didn't see what was triggering that you know huh. wish i had read your book before that but i'm glad i was i i was uh, introduced to it 
while I was healing myself after, you know, stopping the actual act of bulimia, but there were still issues there. Um, so I have a group and it's called Midlife Bulimia Recovery Group on Facebook. We're a small group. We, you know, some of them are like thousands of people. Mine is small and I like it that way because it's interactive. People can hear and listen what they're saying. Right. And this is uh, for women who are in their 40s. And it's amazing. There's people in their 40s and their 50s and 60s still tr- struggling with it. Where. Oh, no. Right. And society thinks, oh, bulimia, that's for, you know, teenagers and 20 year olds. But it's not. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I want to continue with more on, but I do have this one question. I just want to ask, cause she said, please ask it. She goes, why am I so, why am I so tired? I've been sleeping for hours at a clip. Is it normal for me at 44 to be in death sleeps? And this is somebody who's struggling with bulimia. And I found that an interesting question. Is it normal for me at 40 something to be in what? Death sleeps. Spell it. D-E-A-T-H. Death sleeps. Oh, death sleep. Yeah. Uh, No. Well, my experience with tiredness is that something is being imploded. So let's uh, give you an example. Uh, Folks, I was talking earlier about concepts about who you are and how the world works. People have all sorts of concepts about anger, for example. People, a lot of people put that in the uh, category with meanness or cruelty. People have concepts about sadness. A lot of men, you know, sadness in the category with weakness or dependency. Uh, Believe it or not, some people implode joy. In other words, they grew up in families with kind of like a, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. It's like they they never had a bunch of belly laughs or anything. So some people implode sadness. Some people implode sexual feeling. Well, uh, let's just take anger, for example. Just, and this it relates to her question, Laurieann. So imagine if in my life I grew up, uh, seeing anger be destructive. Maybe when I wailed or something, my mother went away from me, or perhaps maybe I saw my father brutalize my mother. Okay. When that happens, I develop an injunction against that very natural energy called anger. So when anger, and that's not true for me, by the way, but it's true for a lot of people. So when anger comes up, let's imagine that someone tends to block it. Well, before long, not only do they know they're blocking it, as it becomes a habitual behavior, but they they use up, they block that energy called anger. They block it. And they use up energy in the blocking process. So they're gonna that's why depressed people are tired. So you depress that energy. You don't even know you're doing it. It manifests firstly with shallow breathing, tension in the trapezius, and tension or discomfort wherever your weakest area is. So that gets bottled up. It could happen with joy. It could happen with sexual feeling. It can happen with sadness, as I said. So, but it's habitual. People don't know they're doing it because it starts at an early age. So over time, they're living in a duality. 
one part of them pressing on another part of them. What the gremlin timing method is about is becoming whole, W-H-O-L-E, okay? Whole, instead of being in duality, being in reality, where everything in you is flowing one direction, okay? So people who don't do that tend to get tired. Now, I don't know with regard to the person who raised the question if that is what's going on, but I will say this to, I'm assuming it's a herb. I think you can actually use the pronoun. Uh, it doesn't matter why. In other words, I gave an example of what if I saw my dad brutalize my mom or whatever. All of, it doesn't matter why. The key to ask yourself is how at this moment am I wearing myself out? Whether you're causing the lack of sleep or just contributing to it, start asking yourself, how in the hell am I doing that right now? And remember those poisons I mentioned, and it could be all of them. I'm either scaring the hell out of myself, beating the heck out of myself, miring myself in regret, and it could be all of these, trapping myself in a concept of I'm always going to be tired, I'm never going to be any better, this is me, this is my existence, or clinging to a resentment. And I'll bet you, if she takes a look at which of those am I doing or am I doing all of them? In, remember what I said earlier, in the moment she's doing it. And the way you get a, you shine a bright light on it by accentuating it, just as I was responding to Roy's question about that. You accentuate it, you practice doing that and accentuate what you're doing to your body. Do it more for 30 seconds or a minute and then exhale fully several times. And when you inhale after exhaling, when you inhale, take in all of the air that you want and exhale fully again, okay? And think in terms of oxygenating all of those key points of tension you noticed when you, when I had you accentuate the front end of that process, okay? And then get, leave the theater, leave the theater. The, the person raising the question, I can tell you, you're not going to work this out in your head. It's not going to happen. You're not going to think your way to peace. You got to learn to leave the theater from here into your immediate surroundings as your home. You don't have to be there all the time, but come home several times an hour. Uh, I hope that was clear. I mean, it, you know, that's beautiful. That's, and, and I will be sharing this. So I'm hoping I, I don't bring up names because it is private, but I'm hoping that, uh, that, Person wrote well, that question. You know, people can also, I mean, they, folks can book sessions with me if they decide they really want to do that, you know. The, so, I mean, there's a web page, but the, the email is support at tamingyourgremlin.com, which you can imagine. Uh, I'll be offering a course in. Uh, um, right now, it's going to be January, I believe. Uh, just a, a 10 week course of Taming Your Gremlin, which I do now, but I'm, I don't advertise it. I just do it. Uh, sometimes people will call me really wanting to know more, you know, 
mostly therapists and coaches. And if they're real thirsty <laughs> and have a real sincere interest, you know, I, I take them on. Uh, now, I have a question too, because having read your book and I've read it more than once, um, does it become almost like habitual that, because I noticed that I, I, I notice and more and more as I go on, and it's, it's kind of interesting. I know that my reactions to something, I'm going, wow, you know, why are you doing this? And it, it, you gotta be, gotta be careful with that one because yes, by the same token, don't get cocky. <laughs> oh God, no, 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 no. I can't be, I'm, I'm, I'm human no, and I- no. <laughs> no, I didn't think you were saying it first, but I mean, you, it's very important to, as Roy was alluding to it earlier, keep practicing. Keep practicing because you're going to get better and better and better and better at it. But I guess the best way I can describe it is the better you get, the louder your gremlin is going to yell. But if you're going to be so much better than you were at the beginning that it really is going to be just like a bunch of hullabaloo. It really is. I mean, you're going to, you're going to see it so quickly. Uh, and it, it, in seconds, you can manage it with practice. I want to say it's not a philosophy. It's, a, it's an athletic event. It's like a skill. That. And you got to practice. Yeah, I mean, I gave a brief summary of the method. But obviously, there's more detail in the books, you know, so. So you said January, that would be exciting. So it's 10 weeks that you're going to be providing that. Yeah, it's kind of what I do now. If people call and this is it's it's been just for therapists and coaches who I think because, again, I don't advertise it, but there are some people who come really thirsty. They they want more. They know that there's something here that's going to help them and help their clients. And so I'll, I'll take those people on, but I rarely take more than two or three at a time. But in, uh, I'm going to go, and it's for 10 weeks typically. And then nobody does just the 10 weeks. People tend to want to continue. But uh, so in the fall, I'm going to go ahead and offer it to a few more people. I mean, I've done this. I, I mean, I've done a one-year training program for people and all of that stuff. But I, in 10 weeks, I can get some real basics across. But it's going to be work. I mean, people come and they work on themselves right there. So they learn from each other. I do have to, uh, I'm going to throw this in. Um, I was introduced to you through Bart Baggett. Um, He's also an author, but he was telling me that the reason he had the book and we had this coaching session that he was teaching uh, was because his mother loves the book too. <laughs> so she's the one who introduced it to him and then him to me. And uh, so, yes, you have a lot of people who uh, it, your book has made a difference for. So thank you. It's, nice it's real nice to hear. Yeah. It's no, like Rick, you, go ahead, Rob. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, imagine what they, if, I mean, how gratifying that is to hear that. Yeah. No, I love it, really. It's probably why I'm there at my age. I'm still doing it. You know, you're blowing my ear. I'll follow you anywhere. You know? <laughs> so, 
So now this, this is kind of a general question. I know it's not anything you can answer specifically, but I'm just curious. Do, is there a common or common gremlins that people have in all your years of practice? Do you see recurring, you know, like you said, holding on to regret or whatever? Are there some of those that are pretty universal that you've seen? Well, all of those five I mentioned are universal. I mean, I, I see those repeatedly. But the other thing that I see a lot of is people imploding their energy because they don't know how to really, for one thing, resolve conflict constructively. They, they tend to pucker, you know, when uh, there's what they think of as a confrontation or they're just not sure, they're afraid they're going to make somebody mad or, you know, and all those things are possible. But as long as what you're doing is you really, and it take, this take, you got to be brave at first. But if you're willing to just notice what your experience is in the moment, match your voice and facial expression to what you're feeling. You got to stay current with it, to what you're noticing inside of you and describe you in five, six simple sentences. You don't have to know what your next statement's going to be. You just notice what's true for you because you're an authority on your experience. You're living it. So if you say to somebody, uh, look, can be something like that. Oh, I love watching you walk across the room or stop it. Don't do that to me again. I don't like the way it feels uh, or uh, whatever. You know, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I really appreciate your questions or whatever. That's annoying. I don't like that. When people learn how to, it's okay to say what's true for you and then hush, breathe, and listen, that other person will say something. But even if by chance they don't, if you've done what I've suggested just now, just after you describe your experience, you hush, hush, hush. The SH at the end of hush is hush, hush. Breathe, drop your awareness down here and listen the new experience will emerge within you. The next layer will be there. And it may be something as simple as, uh, if, if the person didn't say something, maybe something like, so I'm wondering what your response is to what I just said. Or, uh, hope I didn't scare the hell out of you, but I really wanted to tell you what I just told you. I mean, I don't know what it would be. Mm -hmm. Once you learn to do that, you never have to be uncomfortable in an interpersonal encounter. When I can get two people doing that, or a whole family, or a department in a, you know, work with, you know, some law firms and businesses and things, conflict can be, it can be as easy as paying somebody a compliment to work through a conflict. If you really, really know, all I got to do is just describe my experience. You don't have to even come to an agreement. You just have to hear each other with good will, wanting to be affected by what the other person says. You don't have to do it, but just to hear them with good will and want to be affected by it. it saves marriages. I've had that experience many times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I worked with a guy, 
our manager, and he did not like conflict of any kind. He would run. He would. I, 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 I'll have to talk to somebody. You know, he just wouldn't. He couldn't resolve anything. He didn't want any conflict. Yeah. And and, and to me, as a manager, he he needed to learn how to deal with conflict. And no fooling. You yeah. Know, but, but he didn't. And as nicest guy you ever meet in your life, but he just maybe you could sneak him a copy. <laughs> I mean, you're grilling or a master class, either one, you know. Yeah. There's even in one of the books, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one, but there's a, there's, there's a list of, uh, I don't know, about 20 things. Here's some things that you probably have felt at some point in time, and you could say these, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, Do you find yeah. something that's interesting about conflict? Because I don't like conflict at all either but i can face up to it better in business than i can in my personal life mm-hmm. like i i've owned businesses i could deal with my my uh my employees or whatever then or, or the customers who came in or whatever but when it comes to personal that's where i have conflict issues well let, let's be a little more specific than that okay when it comes to people who I fill in the blank, Lorianne. Who are close to me. Mm-hmm. And who I respect. Yes. All right, well, wait, just play with me for just a minute. So with people who are close to me, I, I fear that if I tell them exactly what's going on with me, my fear is that they might, what? And don't worry about whether it makes a lick of sense. <laughs> the, my fear is that I might respond badly and hurt myself more by responding negatively to it. That's my worst part. Yeah. So, so I'm sure Roy hears it. I hear it. So if you and I were going to go further with this, where that would lead to is basically your own concepts about that particular healthy energy known as anger and how you've managed that in your life and what you want to do with it now. I'd want you to really get to know that feeling and really get to, to enjoy it. Okay. I, so, sorry, I was just going to say, and that's, I didn't mean to interject, but quickly before I forget, this is something very important too to people who are struggling with bulimia. A lot of it is we're eating. You know, you were talking about that. Our food is also doing that. And then we're also hurting ourselves because it's not healthy. So it's it's self-sabotage really ultimately. Sure. it's. I mean, this is an overstatement, but it's, a, remember I talked about being a whole, everything going one direction. Yes. When you retroflect energy, instead of it going out toward the world to love or to create or to fight, you know, good fighters relaxed in the ring, everything's going one direction. But there are times when people retroflect that energy. So you could imagine it with stuffing food in, of course, or just crimping one's breathing, creating back aches, neck aches, ulcers, colitis, heart attack. You know, and the thing with with bulimia, as you well know, I mean, where do you want to start? At the top of the head? I mean, jaws are affected, teeth are affected, uh, mouths are affected, 
knuckles are affected sometimes. Uh, uh, your esophagus is affected yeah. over time. Your uh, electrolytes are affected, leading to heart problems. Uh, people become hypoglycemic after purging often. You know, all of that stuff. I mean, that, that is, all that's about is retroflected energy. So you're right on, Lauren. Knowing that's one thing, catching yourself in the act of doing it to yourself is where gremlin timing comes in. Beautiful. Beautiful. I really appreciate this, uh, sure. your time. And uh, Roy, do you have any further questions before I ask Rick to uh, give his exit on how people could find him. I know that you gave the email, but we'll, uh, if you have some uh, more information. Well, just one thing, just, you know, uh, you're talking about conflict. You know, my mom, I can always remember her saying when we were kids, you know, it's okay to disagree. Just don't be disagreeable. <laughs> That's a great line. You That's know, a great line. So, yeah. I, you know, I always try to think about that, <clears throat> you know, if there's some kind of concept, okay, well, you know, you and I have a different opinion, but, you know, we, we can just, it's a different opinion. Let's just move on. We can still be friends. We can still whatever. We don't have to just go to our corners and, you know, get away. And so, I mean, I, and I've always, uh, even when I was at work and we were in meetings and people would have issues, I would always try to say, well, look, you know, okay, we're going to disagree, but, you know, let's not be disagreeable. Let's don't get into a big argument, you know. Yeah. And I always, well, I guess like a peacemaker, I guess, would be the best way to put it, you know. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, I like that line very much. <laughs> you sound like, and I know you told me when we got to talk just briefly before we began that you're from Texas. Yeah. Sound, even though you said Duncan, you said Duncanville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up yeah in Dallas. But yeah. yeah, so because you sound like a West Texan, I grew up in Lubbock. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, so so yes. Yeah. It has been. Please tell our listeners, um, and I will have this in the notes as well, but uh, where they can find you. And I know your book is everywhere. That's easy. But <laughs> we'll go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, I used to have a really elaborate web page where people could draw their gremlin and all that. Now it's a very simple web page. It's called, it's tamingyourgremlin.com. Uh, there's not a lot of information up there, but it'll tell people how to get in touch with me or people can email me directly at support at tamingyourgremlin.com. I won't get into an email correspondence with people answering questions. I just simply don't have time to do that. But if somebody wants to consider booking some private sessions or if they want to get a few people together, and say, hey, let's call Rick and see if we can set up a thing for a few sessions, all of us, you know. We'll talk about it. And if I can find the time and our schedules can match and we like each other, we'll set something up. It's very, very organic. And uh, it's probably why I'm not rich. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you for having me. Oh, and thank you again for being here. I've been, uh, we've been waiting for this for a while, and I'm just so pleased. And thank you for reaching out to me. Pleasure to meet you. Absolutely. Well, thank you very, very much.